Good morning, Edge Church. My name is Hilary Start. I'm the admin here, and I'm Benny Start's wife. Um, we have been in a series that we've been calling The Reset. Last week, we wrapped up the portion where we were talking about loving God with um, all of your everything. And we spent some time um, just meditating on the word. And we also took um, a couple of assessments. If you missed out or you need an extra, we have more out on the lobby table. Um, you can grab one on your way out. There's also some great um, resources in the back and some good uh, biblical references for you. So if you didn't get one, grab one. This morning, we are kicking off a new portion where we're going to be talking about relationships. Who's excited to talk about relationships and loving one another? Thank you for the one woo. Good job, guys. So if you would please uh, welcome with me Pastor Neil Shorey. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys? Hey guys, this is the last day to sign up for um, the All Church Picnic next weekend. Really want you to be a part of that. Um, we're talking about relationships, and that means I got the wrong stand. It's funny, I, I often get Brandy's stand. That's what I'm going to call that one. Anybody, have you seen, anytime Brandy preaches, she gets that stand, and it always falls. But she doesn't address it like I do. She doesn't keep talking about it unnecessarily like this. So guys, uh, to, we're talking about relationships today and for the next handful of weeks. And um, there are a whole lot of different kinds of relationships. But um, one thing about relationships is that you actually have to be together. Right? So, so come and be a part of our all-church picnic next weekend. <clears throat> one thing that we know about people, and particularly Christians, is that we really like food and we like excuses to hang out, right? So no pressure, we're just going to gather together, we're going to eat good food, and uh, spend some time developing our relationships. Sounds good, pretty, pretty low risk, right? So if you're trying to figure out if this is your community, um, come hang out with us when everybody lets their hair down and you can actually see what people are really like. Sound good? Guys, you got to wake up. I know it's rainy out, but come on now. Come on, come on. Are you with me? Can we get going? Okay, Johnny, I knew I could count on you, brother. Thank you. So um, one thing about me, I love new things. Like I love <clears throat> technology. I love getting the latest, <clears throat> excuse me, latest gadget. Um, but I also love practical things. I, I love information, but I don't like to read every detail. Anybody else? Um, I am the kind of person. <clears throat> I'm the kind of person that likes to go to the end of a book to decide if I'm going to read it. Anybody? Somebody else here does that. Michelle, thank you. To somebody. Um, I'm excited uh, to be preaching today as we're taking a turn in this series. If you've been with us, we almost at the very start of the year, we jumped into this series called The Reset that Hillary just talked about. And um, we really, uh, the, the whole first part of this year, we're, now we're moving into the, the second to, you know, kind of two-thirds of the year, uh, we've been talking about loving God and what that looks like. And we've talked about loving God with um, you know, our mind, our body, mind, soul, strength, all those things. And uh, today we're taking a little bit of a turn as, as we're getting back to the basics of relationships because it's really easy to talk about loving God, um, this, this, this being that we can't see, and it's a lot harder to talk about the practical aspects of living in community, being connected with each other. It's really, really challenging. I don't know about you guys, but for me, 
if there are too many rules on anything, whether it's a game that my kids want to play, um, and, and I don't love playing games, I just don't, it's just not something I, I enjoy particularly, but if there are too many rules and it becomes complicated, it's really easy for me to kind of disengage my heart and not really care so much about what we're doing. Can you guys relate to that? Too many rules kind of like, it just like makes my, it just kills my fire inside. And I just kind of, I, I just, I disconnect and I might go through the steps, but I don't like heavy on rules and light on connection. It's just not how I'm wired. Um, so uh, th- this, this sermon series so far has, has been all about the first part. And now we're going to move into the second part. And the second part of this series is all about relationships. Um, it, this series is based on uh, the, the religious leaders of the day, which often tried to trap Jesus. It's interesting because um, we're seeing so many things happen with religious leaders of our day, just like we saw with his day. It, it, our, day uh, our day is filled with feeds that talk about me too and church too and all the bad things that people are doing in churches when 50 years ago people would have said oh no religious leaders are some of the most respected people around and now we're getting kind of taken down a few notches because of really bad behavior of some so these are important important things for us to work out but one of the religious leaders of Jesus's day decided to test him with a question <clears throat> anytime the Pharisees went to Jesus and they decided to go ask him questions. We get the, the impression from Scripture that it wasn't because they were going with good hearts trying to get the truth. Do you ever have someone come up to you and they ask you a question and you just sort of know right away that person is not really interested in the truth. They're interested in a gotcha. Have you had that happen before with, with someone? So that's what was happening in this passage. Um, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28, it says... On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked. Notice it's respectful sounding, but but we know what his intention was. It was to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And and then in this version of it, um, we hear that the... the, He he responded. um, He said... Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you'll live. It's interesting because um, that's the only gospel where we get an answer from the person that was asking the question. Um, In the other two, in Matthew and in Mark, in, in Matthew 22 and Mark 12, we actually have Jesus answering him where um, the, the Pharisee was anticipating that Jesus was going to talk about loving God and then Jesus said, and the second one is like it. They, they weren't asking for a second one, but he gave it and he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Why do you think that is? I think it's pretty simple. It's easy to, to say that you love God. It's easy to show up at church on a Sunday, a couple times a month. That's what people consider to be regular attendance according to all the the church surveys that are out there. Like Barna says that people consider themselves regular attenders at church or really active in a church if they come more than a Sunday a month. And and some of us are like, really? That's not very active sounding. It actually sounds quite passive. But, But we show up we show up for maybe a few hours a month and we say that, that we, we love God. We sing songs and we might even raise our hands if we're a little bit charismatic. And we're like, look, I love Jesus. I raised my hands today. And Jesus says, great. 
that's awesome, but how are you doing with relationships? How are you doing with loving people? It's a whole lot easier to raise your hands for a few minutes on a Sunday. It's a whole lot easier to come to church on a Sunday and hear a message and look relatively put together. You can come here and present any image that you want, and the, the reality is if all, you're, if all you do is connect here on a Sunday, people aren't going to know really what's going on inside you Monday through Saturday because you're not in relationship. So, you know, we're moving, on, uh, we're moving on to that second part today about loving your neighbor as yourself. And over the next weeks, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different kinds of relationships. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about the church, relationships like in the church. What do those look like? Uh, we're going to talk about our neighbors. <clears throat> but for today... My goal is simple. It's to orient us to just a few passages of Scripture that show God's perspective on relationships. What does God have to say about the importance of us in this place doing our relationships differently than the rest of the world? You came in here for a reason, and it's not because you want everything to be the same. It, deep down, maybe, maybe you don't realize this yet, but you're looking for something that's greater than what you see out there in the world. Because the world can be tough, right? So we're going to talk about um, doing our relationships differently and the importance of that. Uh, and it's really important because we live in a world that eats good relationships alive. It spits them out. It doesn't value them. But God does. Uh, the, the, the world tells you to put yourself over others. And Jesus says the exact opposite. He said, care for others just as you would care for yourself. So we need to have a firm grasp of the why in order for us to do this with any sort of effectiveness at all and any, any sort of perseverance at all because it's not easy. So you have to have a firm grasp of the why. And here's our first idea today. God wants us to love each other because he embodies love and he created us for one another. God wants us to love each other because he embodies love and he created us for one another. That can be a tough thing for us to understand because when we look around our culture, when you turn on Netflix, anything that you do out there in the world, uh, love is, is sort of a, a low commodity and it actually doesn't really mean much. You know, Hollywood love, you know, love in cities, it doesn't mean a whole lot. It's based on feelings, it tends to be fleeting, it's based on your whim of the day, it's sort of however you want to define it, whatever we want in the moment. And we wait for someone to let us down once and then we move on to the next friendship. We wait for someone to hurt us and we move to the next relationship, the next marriage, whatever it is, it's, it's easy to throw things out, to throw people out. But the Bible tells us a very different story. So we're going to go back to the beginning. It's one of my very, very favorite books to preach from, and it's the book of Genesis. Because uh, it's really important for us to understand the beginning, because if I don't remember what my family history is, it's really easy for me to be confused about the mess that I'm in. Right? If we don't understand the history of people, it's really easy for us to create our own narrative based on our own experiences and say, well, I'm pretty sure this is why I am this way. I'm pretty sure this is why she does that. But the Bible takes us to the, to the beginning so that we understand a full family history. 
Genesis is the account of creation. And in Genesis chapter 1, we're told that on the sixth day, God created male and he created female. And then we're given more detail in Genesis chapter 2. And uh, verse 18 is, it's simple and, and I believe very timeless. It says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Sounds wonderful, and, and here's proof that humans can screw anything up. Here's the proof. One chapter later, the first couple made the choice that we all have. They bit into the fruit of self. You can say, well, it was a piece of fruit. Well, I don't really care how literal that is. The reality is we all bit into something, and it created, it created a world that is all about us. And Adam and Eve hoped that that would satisfy, but it broke everything and it went deep. And it went all the way into, it seeped deep into their relationship. We can all relate to that, can't we? Because we're not naturally selfless. We're actually quite naturally selfish. I think everybody here could say that your natural bent, your natural tendency, all you have to do to find out what your natural tendency is, is to... See how you react when you're really, really hungry. All you have to do to find out um, how you're gonna, what your natural tendency is is see how you react when you haven't been able to sleep for a while. Anybody been in a fraternity? Anybody done hell week in a fraternity or sorority? Just me? So I'm the biggest sinner in the whole church. Awesome. <laughs> so I've done that, and I'll tell you what. You find out what's in you. You find out what's in you when you're squeezed. And, and boy, sometimes that was ugly. But you guys know what? Whatever your situation is that squeezes you, you know what's in you. You know what your natural tendency is. Then, of course, after Adam and Eve sinned, um, God asked Adam about it, and he took full responsibility on the penalty. Nope, it's the exact opposite. What did he do? No, sin even messed up the relationship between Adam and God because he couldn't tell God the truth and he couldn't accept responsibility. What did he do? He said, I hid from you because I heard you coming towards me and I was afraid. He'd never been afraid before. Why was he afraid? He was afraid because he'd done wrong. He'd done exactly what God had told him not to do. And he took no responsibility for it. Genesis 3 verse 12, Adam says this, um, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree. And I ate it. Look at your relationships. Any relationship that you're in today. Do you have a tendency to look at the other person as the main person of fault in that relationship? Or do you readily accept responsibility for the things that you've done? Good chance um, that you're like every other person that's ever been created. <laughs> Good chance. I'd say, I don't know, 100% chance that you have a tendency to put blame on someone else before you're willing to look at yourself. I've heard it said before that we make great attorneys for ourselves and we make great judges for others. We can explain away any behavior that we have and we can judge any behavior that someone else does because that is just human nature. And, and, and I'm thankful that that wasn't the end of the story. That wasn't the end of the relationship because right at just a few verses later, we find out that God was in the gospel business from the very start. This did not come as a surprise to him. 
because he actually um, gave animal skins. So it was clothes that cost the blood of an animal right in that same chapter. And that tells us this, that disobeying God's plan destroys everything, but he's always been in the business of redemption, even our relationships. Even our relationships. God is love, and he fights for our relationships. How do we know that God is love? Uh, 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Okay? What is biblical love? It's about more than a feeling, right? We always explain love with all these feelings. You've heard it shared before. Oh, people just fell into love. Well, if you fell into love, that means you can fall out of it really easy too right? We're not taken away from feelings, but biblical love is, is a whole lot more than feelings. Where do we get what biblical love actually is? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it is the favorite passage of weddings. You've heard this if you've ever been to a wedding. Anybody been to a wedding before? I just need a bunch of people to raise their hands at once because I haven't gotten that so far today. Okay, so you guys have all been to a wedding. Whew, good. This is going to be a good example then. 1 Corinthians 13, Verses 4 through 8, it says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. Boy, that's, uh, that's different, isn't it? That's different. We were created for love, by love. Here's our second point today. Uh, religion fuels pride and it kills relationships. Religion fuels pride and it kills relationships. Now, for some of you who grew up in, in um, backgrounds where it was very rules-oriented, so, so maybe, I'm not, I'm not going to name traditions, but there definitely are traditions that are known more about rules and if you grew up in one of those, then um, you kind of feel like, wait a second, religion's good, because people ask the question, are you religious? And I think what some of them mean is, do you go to church? I think others really mean is, are you a Christian? Uh, people mean so many different things about it, but we're going to talk about the religion that, that fuels pride. Pride's all about self. It's about this idea that, that we are strong, that we've got this, that we're, we're Americans, and we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps right? goes exactly against what Christianity is. But religion fuels pride, and it kills relationships. A pastor friend of mine recently shared a statistic that kind of scared me. Um, it, it, 60, uh, basically, there was a survey done of Americans on spiritual matters and, uh, about heaven and hell and who goes where and why, and, and they discovered something that was shocking to me. 64% of Americans believe that they will go to heaven, and, and, I mean, that sounds great, right? I'm, I, man, that's awesome. I, I'd like 100% of Americans to go to heaven. That, that would be wonderful. And the, the, the people were asked why. So those 64% who said that they believe they will go to heaven, they were asked why they believe they will go to heaven. And the answer was simple. They believe that they're good enough to go to heaven. Well, here's what's scary, and it's a totally different sermon, but I think it's really, really important to say this. Good people don't go to heaven. 
Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. We could talk about that for weeks. But we're not going to today. For, yeah. <laughs> and just because of that, we're going to talk about it for weeks. It's okay. I get it. Here's the point that I want to be exceedingly clear about today. Trying to get to heaven based on how good you are. Trying to get to heaven based on how good you are is the definition of religion. Are you trying to get to heaven based on how good you are? Have you ever heard someone say, when I get to the gates and St. Peter greets me, I'm not sure why we think St. Peter's the one who greets people at the gates, but you've heard that before. People are like, oh, when I get to the pearly gates, and they're like, why should I let you in? You're like, well, I, I think I've done more good things than bad. You've heard people say that kind of thing. It's like, wait a second, guys. Let, let's get rid of all those ideas as followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's one reason that you get into heaven, and it's because you gave your life to Jesus not because of how good you are. And it doesn't, it, th- this, is, this is something like, trying to be good is the exact opposite message of what Jesus is and what he came to do, the person of Jesus, right? We don't accept Jesus to make us better. We accept Jesus to make us forgiven and to make us right with God. It just happens, it just so happens that Jesus was gentle with everyone that he encountered. Um, the people, uh, sinners all over the place loved him because he encountered them in such a, a gentle, uh, compassionate way. There was one type of person that he was consistently hard on. One type of person. And it was the people who thought they were better than others because they were good rule keepers. The people that had pride. The people that basically said, I'm actually a pretty good person. (laughs) And Jesus had no tolerance for people that thought they were good already. He said, I came for the sick, those who know that they need a doctor. I didn't come for those who are well. And some of us are like, wait, was there somebody who was well there? Nope, he was just making the point that if you think you're well, you can't have any part of him. He was hard on one type of person. And it was the Pharisee. We already talked about them just a little bit earlier. If you read through the Gospels, you'll see that he reserved his harshest condemnation for the behaviors of the Pharisees. He didn't condemn any other people's behaviors. He'd say, go and sin no more, but he never condemned their behaviors. But he did for the religious leaders of the day, the ones who looked like they'd figured life out pretty well, or at least the ones who had an appearance of righteousness. That's kind of scary because so many of us, we really try to look like we've got it all together, don't we? Oh, everything's pretty good in my life. As long as you stay at a distance, you won't see how screwed up I am. Right? Two things that Jesus said to the Pharisees really stand out to me when it comes to relationships. And the first is in Matthew 23, verse 23. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites not a good start. You give a tenth of your spices. And I, I think that's so funny. It's like, that, that's not anything he'd say to us today, right? Well, I have, this, I have this truckload of spices, Jesus. It's out in the parking lot, and if the sermon's good enough, I'll make sure to give a tenth of them. 
You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, in case you were wondering. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Now here's the thing. The Pharisees were technically right. They were doing what they were told to do. They were giving a tenth of everything that they owned, which was good. They tithed, but they gave none of their hearts. Guys, you know what that means? That means that you can give a whole lot of your finances today, and your heart can be far from the people that are sitting around you. And what Jesus says is, the most important thing is your heart. So you can look really generous and not give any piece of your heart. You can be completely not generous with your heart while you give a lot of money, and that's not the kind of, of behavior that God wants for you from you. What was the deal? They didn't seek justice. They were unmerciful. They had no faith in God, and they weren't faithful to the people who were looking to them for teaching. They, they, they weren't faithful to the people that were looking to them to, to uh, teach them how to live, uh, how to instruct them, and how to love. But you've been around people like that too, right? You've been around people before. You, you, know, you know what this is like, don't you? You've been around people that can quote more Bible than you all day long. But there's something inside you that just goes, wait a second. You sure know a lot of Bible. That's good. Yeah, that's good. But why do I feel like I need to take a shower every time I've been around you? Can we just be real about that? You've been around people that are really good religious people. They know scripture, they might give a lot, but every time you just have this sense inside, like, why does this, I, I'm reading this, this Bible and I'm looking at their actions and something just doesn't feel right about this. Have you been there before? You've been around these kinds of people before. Well, here's Here's why. Because you can know the Bible and also you can uh, not live out the heart of the Bible while you know it. You can be a religious person and not live out the heart of God and you can be far from God while you share things about God. It's a scary place to be. But that's what people do when, they, uh, when they're trying to be religious, right? We try to do things that are good to follow the technical rules, to be good enough on the outside, but we neglect what's going on on the inside. We miss the heart of it all. Religion is action with no conversion. So it's a pride booster and it's a relationship killer. Are you guys connecting with this? Does that make sense? Okay. Religion is a pride booster and a relationship killer. So here is the, the second encounter that the Pharisees... Uh, how, the second encounter with the Pharisees that demonstrates how religion kills relationship. Mark 7, verses 1 through 13. It says, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of the disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all of the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. 
And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Again, he just calls them out. You guys are hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, and this is a really important part. I really want you to connect with this. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. That's a scary message for the religious people, isn't it? You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God, but uh, observing your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, that's really, really important. He says, this is what Moses says, and in other words, this is what you were taught in Scripture, but this is what you are doing. This is what you say. That if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, and, and Corban was a, it was a loophole in the law. And what the, the, what the Jewish leaders did is they said, they said to their followers, they said, listen, if you, uh, if you designate this money that you have as Corban, and Corban just means a gift to God, if you say, I've got all this extra money and I was going to use it for my family, your family, maybe it's your, your elderly parents who don't have money for themselves. I was going to use it for family, but instead I proclaim that this is now designated as a gift to God. Now, now I can't actually use it for people. I can't use it for the people in my life who actually need it. And he says, uh, once you... Uh, once you designate this as Corbin, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. And Jesus says, thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down, and you do many things like that. The motivation of the Pharisees was greed. It was not about a relationship with God or about encouraging good relationships with people. It was all about greed and they tried to appear like it was about dedication to God. Some of us do that too. Some of us spend all of our time in the church or all of our time serving people in foreign countries or all of our time looking very uh, dedicated to God, but we ignore some of the people that God has placed right in front of us that he expects us to care for. Do you know why that is? Because it's a whole lot easier to be dedicated to people around us that we don't know as well as our own families. Right? Aren't there times when you'd, you'd rather give money to the homeless guy on the side of 55 and Weber because you don't know him than it would be to have a sit-down uh, conversation with someone in your family that keeps making mistakes? Wouldn't that be easier? I don't know, for, for me, it's a whole lot easier to, to give a five to a homeless guy than to sit down with someone in my family that's going through cycles of the same thing over and over and over again. 
It's really easy to do something that looks good than it is to sit down and be in relationship. The motivation of the Pharisees was greed. They, they told the people that if you dedicate this to God, then you don't have to give it to people. So the Pharisees wanted more money. And guess what some of the people did? They would say it was dedicated to God, and then they would go spend the money for themselves. B- both were, both were, were focused on greed, not on relationship. Guys, we can feel pretty good about ourselves by showing up and serving. We can serve the poor. We can serve the oppressed. We can come to church every Sunday and serve in quest and preach and and sing worship songs. But if we neglect the people that God has placed in front of us for those things, and we say, oh, I I, I was dedicated to God. It's okay. I'm serving the Lord. We must know this. We're not serving God at all. We have stopped serving God the second that we're not dedicated to relationships. Religion can mask motives, and it destroys relationships. Here's our last idea today. I'm going to invite the band back up as well. God wants relationships to look like doing the next right thing. God wants relationships to look like doing the next right thing. It's actually pretty simple. We try to make relationships so complicated we try to figure out what the right formula is. What, what's the balance, God? What am I supposed to do? And he's just like, ah, just care, just care for people that I put along your way. We're going to continue in that first passage that we looked at. Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at 25 through 37. Read the whole thing again. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus' teacher. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Isn't that the question so many of us ask? Who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This was a scandalous passage because you had two religious leaders and they're the ones who should have been the heroes of the story. But Jesus said, no, being religious doesn't make you a hero. Being being a hero means that you're going to stop and you're going to see people. And what made it extra scandalous about this story is that a Samaritan was looked at by Jews as a half-breed. Are there people in your life that you look at as half-breeds? 
they might be the very ones who stop when you need them on the side of the road. As Christians, we're never to look at anybody as a half-breed. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what their background is. Jesus wants you to look at everyone he puts in your path as your neighbor. But religion won't do that. Relationship will. And if you want to get rid of religious tendencies, start caring for people well, because when you do that, religion sort of falls by the wayside. So this Samaritan, the one who was a half-breed to the Jew, is the one who stopped and he took pity on him. And it's interesting, the very last line to me is, is fascinating. Jesus said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And, and the, the Pharisee could not even say the Samaritan. That's how dirty of a word Samaritan was to the Jews. What he said was, the one who took mercy on him. That's how scandalous this encounter was. What does relationship look like for, for, for Christians? It, looks, it doesn't look anything like, like religion. Because religion walks away from pain when it's convenient. But a neighbor looks at the other. Who is the other in your life? A neighbor looks at the other and chooses to love the one in front of him or her. Over the next few weeks, I want to encourage you to not try to figure out a formula for how to be in relationship. Don't try to figure out a formula, but open your eyes and your ears and ask the Lord to put the right people on your path. And here's what I'm guessing is going to happen over these next weeks. There are going to be some people that you might have othered on Facebook that you're going to encounter. There are probably going to be some people that you're just not quite sure about what they're all about that you're going to encounter. And my prayer for all of us is that as we encounter whoever the other is to us, that we, have, we either need them or they need us. And the Spirit of God works in both of us and shows us that anytime we other someone, we are operating in, in religion and not relationship. Once we stop othering each other, here's what will happen. We'll learn to love one another. And that is the heart of the gospel. That is what we must get right. The world needs this so badly, guys. If you want to see Jesus break through in a huge way, in a huge way in your life, on social media, in this nation, it's not going to be with elected officials. They are not our superheroes. Have we not figured that out yet? Neither political party has the corner on Jesus' superpower. As a matter of fact, both of them are really good at destroying the image of God in people. Really good at it. Don't put your hope in that. If you want to make a huge difference, be someone who loves the person right in front of you in a tangible way. Don't just say, I'll pray for you if you have the finances to fix an issue. Don't say that. Don't say be warm and well fed if you have a coat and you have food. Don't do that. Love people that are right in front of you. And what's going to happen is you're going to find out that you have more in common than you have things that separate you. And all of a sudden you're going to love one another. Uh, here, here's the thing though. 
maybe you're here today and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're thinking, okay, I'm really just going to be a good, kind person to the people in front of me. Well, well, don't skip the first relationship. Don't do it. You can't serve the homeless, you can't serve the homeless so well that God's like, okay, I'm going to give you a pass into heaven because you really were good at that. He's not going to do it. Don't skip the first relationship. Don't skip the vertical relationship that you must have in order to really, truly love people well with the Spirit of God who lives in you. Don't skip it. Don't skip Jesus. Otherwise, you're simply performing and you're just trying to be good enough and that is religion. The question you have to ask yourself is, have I come to the end of myself yet? Am I tired of trying to be good? I hope so. I hope so. If you have not received Jesus yet, if you've not received Jesus for the, for the forgiveness of your sins, then my guess is you're trying to be good. And what you're really saying is, God, I'm just banking on the fact that I'm going to have more good deeds than bad ones. Don't do that. Don't rely on your goodness. That's the only kind of person that Jesus, Jesus was harsh with. Rely on his goodness and he will change you from the inside out. Stop trying. Uh, John 15, verses 12 through 14, Jesus said, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Notice, it's as I have loved you. How did he love us? Greater love has no... Has, greater love has no... Uh, one than this. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. His call is simple and it's going to kill your pride. He gave his life so that we could live lives of sacrifice. So we could live lives of sacrifice and, and really have eternal significance. Um, Romans 10 verses 11 through 13, it just says this really simply. It says, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would move in this place today. Lord, help us to be about relationships because we have a relationship with you. Lord, help us to lay down any of our own efforts to be good enough. Show us how good you are so that we stop trying. Move in our hearts today, Lord, for the religious people here today. God, help us to stop trying to be so good. For Christians here today who are struggling with othering people, God, I pray that you would help us to see the image of God in every person we encounter today. For those of us who are, are wondering who our neighbor is, do we really have to show love to everyone? Help us to encounter the people that we need to encounter so that we can see you again. We commit this to you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
straps just like Neil was saying um, and Holy Spirit just whispered you're right you can't do it you need the revelation of the Father's heart so that you can grab hold of how he sees them how we see um, these children these people that we've that I've put in your life you need my heart so I'm gonna pray that over you and over me too um, and I just invite you whatever a receiving posture looks like for you whether it's an arm up or an arm out or just hands open to receive the father's heart that we might love well father I thank you um, that you are always inviting us into the next thing and sometimes the next thing seems really really hard and frustrating and like too much and it's easy to just brush it off but we don't want to do that this morning father we ask by your holy spirit that you would reveal the father's heart that you would reveal your heart for the people who are sitting right next to us for our neighbors your heart for um, our spouses our co-workers our children and anyone who we might encounter needs your love because the truth is we may be the only tangible love that people receive in a day that represents your love Jesus so God I ask that you would miraculously work in each heart including mine that we might love well the way that you love thank you God I have a couple announcements for you guys and then you may be dismissed um, we don't pass a plate here at the edge but if you feel led to give you can do that um, either online at edgerora.com forward slash giving or we have a box in the back also um, we are a community who loves to pray with one another so feel free to take this space in here in the auditorium to pray afterwards um, if you would like we have prayer ministers who will be down here to my right who would also love to pray with you if you would love to be in relationship with one another and talk and have fun you can either do that in the back or you are blessed to go out into the auditorium i hope you guys have an awesome week and we'll see you next week